Hello, friendo. You know that feeling you get when you're around a good friend? There's nothing like it. It can make a bad day good and a good day great. I wanted to create a podcast that made me feel just like that. Every person has a story. And here in Friendo, we're going to celebrate them. I'm going to introduce you to fascinating people that will make us laugh, make us think, and inspire us. More than anything, this is a place where we can be ourselves. This is Friendo. In Canada at the moment, the leaves are changing color from green to red, orange and yellow, and many are falling to the ground. We are in the depths of autumn at this point. Besides a ton of yard work that I need to do, the pumpkin spice lattes fill the air, and I am confident enough to admit my basic bitchness to tell you all I love fall. Don't at me, okay? <laughs> I know I'm not alone. As the seasons change and the holidays approach, so do our diets. We begin to crave those hearty, comforting, and warm meals to fill our bellies as temperatures drop. I love sharing meals with my loved ones, but at times I can get overwhelmed with the cooking part. My guest, Andrea Bucket, is a chef and food expert, and today she shares practical cooking tips, along with ways to create dishes with dynamite flavor to help combat mealtime boredom. Andrea has over 20 years of experience in the food industry and is regularly featured as an expert on TV, social media, in print, and on the web. Her career has run the gamut from culinary instructor to corporate chef, recipe developer, and even a food writer. I met Andrea a few years back and was drawn to her warm energy, and following her on social makes me wish she would feed me because her recipes are full of color and flavor, and she truly inspires me. I have a feeling you're going to love her too. Later in the episode, Dean and I talk about all things food because my darling man is a foodie through and through. From our favorite fall meals to some epic and easy recipes that Dean has been cooking lately. Then I'll share this week's favorites potentially the most beautiful audiobook ever, a drink for those looking to decrease their caffeine intake, and a new snack idea for all those parents making school lunches on the daily. I'm Amanda Muse, and this is Frendo. Welcome to the podcast, Andrea. It's so nice to be here. I'm so excited. <laughs> and you know what? We're talking about a pretty fun and one of my favorite topics. We're going to be talking about food and cooking and all these wonderful things. And so maybe you should tell me why I'm talking to you about this. Tell me a little bit about oh, you. Okay. Well, I always like talking about myself a little bit. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'm a chef. I'm not a formally trained chef, so I call myself sort of the accidental chef because I came into this profession just truly because I loved to cook. And um, I didn't really know being a chef was an option. Like when I was younger, it, was, it sounds like a funny thing to say. But when I look back at my youth, like I was totally addicted to the Food Network, like those old style shows, like the Two Fat Ladies, Emeril Lagasse, um, uh, even the Urban Peasant. I don't know if you know Urban Peasant, Walk With Yawn, things like this. And I fell in love with cooking. And then I just started randomly. This is at 23 years old, thought I should teach. Okay, keep cooking because why? That's what you do. So like I went to the LCBO and said, hey, I'd like to teach a class. And they said yes. And I brought my boyfriend, who is my now my husband, who has always been my 
ride or die and all these all these uh, jobs that I got. And I taught and I was and I was hooked. I was hooked not only by the cooking, but by being in front of a group of people and sharing that knowledge because I was so passionate about it. And from there spiraled this career of just trying my hand at everything. You know, like I had a catering company for a while and I would cater. Um, I started food styling for um, chefs that would be on TV. And then I tried to do my own segments. And so it just sort of spiraled. And then, of course, social media came around and uh, I just I just started there. It's just food sort of fuels my creative passion. And so it's always been that way. And I mean, you have a great following on Instagram. I met you at some event for yes. entrepreneurs and creators <laughs> in this space. And it can be really hard to, you know, rise when there's so like rise to the top when there's so many creators doing so many things. Yeah. And you found a way to go on to these morning shows. You're I mean, this is a busy week as we're recording this. We're leading into, you know, a, a food weekend of Thanksgiving. And so, you know. But that makes sense with what you've just said. At 23, you walk into an LCBO and you're like, I'm going to do this. Like, yeah. you have to have a little bit of that fearless kind of, you know, part of your personality, I feel like, to make it work in this space. And so it's like... Yeah, I think it's for me. And I've said this before, and I try to really instill this in my kids is like, I don't... I've always seen failure as not a failure, you know? And I know we're, we read these inspirational things, but I've never really thought that failure was an option in that anytime things didn't go my way, I just kind of like kept on trucking and just kept going and never let it really get me down. And that's not to say I didn't have times where I questioned what I was doing in the direction I was going because of setbacks, but I just, you know, did what made me happy. And this is not a road that's paved, as you know, as a content creator, you sort of have to carve your own road, but that's what makes it so satisfying. I think, you know, because all of our paths are so different. And every day looks a little different. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned fear and we're talking about cooking because I think a lot of people feel a little nervous when they head into the kitchen and or maybe even feeling nervous to prepare food for people who are comfortable in the kitchen, know how to cook. I'm thinking right. back to when I first met my in-laws and had to make them dinner. <laughs> I was like, can we just not and like skip ahead because I'm not as skilled as these people. But you exude this joy and this, I mean, it's just light on your on your page. And obviously I'm drooling with every post because it's like real food. I don't know how to explain that. It just looks delicious. And obviously you know what you're doing. It's things that are in season and things that make sense for the time of year. But you know, how do we stay in the light with cooking? How do we create that joyfulness around it? How do you do that? What inspires you? That's a good question. I will say when you start working as a food content creator or as a chef, I am also a corporate chef, it can be difficult to come home every night and still find the joy in cooking. I've also raised, my boys are 22 and 19 and they are foodies. They are eaters. My youngest son is in culinary school. So they are very, they have a high level of expectation. So sometimes I put something on the table and it just isn't hitting right. Um, but I try, I mean, for as much as I love things like, you know, TikTok and Instagram for inspiration, I do try to stick to things that are um, not ne necessarily aspirational, but like, you know, practical. Like for as many uh, delicious recipes I put out there, an easy night is like roasted vegetables, some roasted chicken and a pot of rice or something. And, you know, something that can be left over and then transformed. I love leftovers. I love transforming them. Um 
but yeah, it, it's, I'm not going to say it's easy to cook because I think that also puts people in a weird position. We've been taught by marketing boards that we can't cook, that it's hard, that you need a meal delivery service to help you cook, which listen, we can all use meal delivery once in a while, but I think the marketing of those things have also made us feel like it's not possible, you know? Um, so I don't think food has to be complicated to be delicious. And I think we have to sort of just step back and, and get back to the basics. I think that's great advice. And it's true. It's not the easiest thing. It doesn't come naturally to know how to cook. Like I right. remember my mother-in-law. So she, you know, Dean being a little older than me, I means she's a little older than my mom. And I remember feeling kind of nervous and not really, she could sense my hesitation of like, how do I do this stuff in the kitchen? And she was like, in her own way, told me, you know, when she was newly married and she was very young. She goes, do you think I knew how to do anything? No. Like somebody right. had to show me. Somebody had to teach me these recipes. And she's a firm believer of a recipe, which mm-hmm. I definitely love that myself. Like, you know, for example, my partner, Dean, like he is inspired by food and creates recipes. And I'm like, Mm-mm. if you give me a recipe, I'm going to figure it out. Right. But you also create recipes. So I feel like there, you have to have a little bit of a passion about it to figure out what flavors are going to go together. You do. You definitely do. And you have to have like an understanding of what flavors go together. And you can start at the most basic, like, you know, if you have a combination of salty and sweet, like right there, you're going to have a better dish than if it's just salty, right? Or sour and bitter. So when you think about things that are contrasting, when you add contrasting flavors to a dish, you're always going to get a better dish. This is why, you know, um, chefs season their food with salt always, but we'll finish often with like lemon juice or vinegar or something that's bright and acidic because those flavors really make your food pop. And that's an easy way to make your food shine. But I just want to go back to a comment you made about, you know, being a beginner cook, because I think this is a really actually a a good lesson, just a way of thinking about life is that I find adults don't want to be beginners at anything. You know, they're fearful of being the beginner. Um, And yet we often tell our kids like, you know, you got to give it more than one try. You got to try, you got to fall down and get back up. So I think as adults, we've sort of lost that, um, courage to be a beginner because we don't want to be, we don't want to be a beginner. We want to be good at everything. And it, you don't have to be good at it right away. It makes no sense if you've never stepped in a kitchen that you're going to be able to make like a three course meal or a roast chicken dinner. So allow yourself to be a beginner and make those mistakes. And that's how you get better. Bottom line. That is exactly it. And you know, you mentioned before, like, social media and its sort of influence that it can have in the food space. And I think that there's also that element. I mean, we look at it in all the other genres, how to be a perfect parent, how to be the perfect entrepreneur. Food comes into that. You're seeing these incredible meals and people are posting, let's sometimes every day, twice a day, all of these recipes. But you bring up a good point. It's like, you know, sometimes you're going to have a basic dinner and it's going to be something that you can reuse. And maybe you take those roasted vegetables and you throw them in a soup the next day or something, you know, there's Precisely. ways to like repurpose. Um, but maybe we can talk a little bit about, you know, the influence of social media where, you know, we start getting into what's healthier, non-GMO, um, you know, gluten-free, all these different things. Like right. we're, is it hard to be in that space with all of these different genres? What's your take on that? So I have been on that entire spectrum. So when my kids were younger, I was actually much more like pro G, uh, pro like non-GMO, eat organic. Me and my husband tell this hilarious story of when Cameron turned one. 
And um, I was working at a health food store at the time. And we had a lot of people come to this birthday party, like a lot, like 60 or 70. Ridiculous looking back for a one years old party, right? But these are the things you do when you're young. I was a young mom. And I ordered a cake, Amanda, okay? It was an organic carrot cake. It was $100. I could not afford $100 at a time, at that time. But for some reason, I was stuck on getting this. And no one cared. Cameron didn't care. None of the guests cared. Who cared? I cared. And there really was no reason because the reason I cared is because I was stuck in a culture where that was the mindset. Um, but, you know, throughout the years, I've done a lot of deep digging. I uh, had the opportunity to visit, you know, several farms across Canada, you know, in Winnipeg or Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Calgary, Ontario, um, talk to farmers, talk to the experts. And I think that's the key. And I think we're seeing a lot of this non-expert expertise happening in a lot of fields, you know. Um, so I think it's always important to really find out the source of the information. The only problem I find is that the people that seem to be the loudest are sometimes the people that don't have the best information, which I find wildly interesting. You know, that is very true <laughs> in so many areas right yeah. now. Yeah. If you can afford organic and that's your preference and, you know, you want to do that, that's fine. Um, but I think parents, especially because, like I said, I was that mom who bought that hundred dollar organic carrot cake for her son's birthday. You know, feeding kids conventional food, it's still healthy. It's nutritious. Like, you, you, you know, we don't want people to feel bad about it. it, it there's no reason to feel bad about it. Um you know, it's safe and healthy and, you know, it's, you know, Canadian farmers are awesome. I love to support them. Speaking of kids, because your boys are older, I had no yeah. idea that one of them was becoming a chef. That's amazing. I know. Very I kind of rubbed cool. off on them. <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, it's funny with kids, like, you know, just exposing them to foods and, you know, getting comfortable around the kitchen. Like just tonight, just before we recorded this, I quickly made their lunches for tomorrow. And my son is just, he's more of a savory palate. So like mm -hmm. fruit is not his cup of tea, but like how many things am I supposed to put in your lunch? It's only meat and bread at this point, you know? And the teacher's going to be like, <laughs> Salami <poor> sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he eats broccoli, but like not cold broccoli, you know? Right. So I, I gave him a grape and he was looking at me like, I'm not going to like this grape because he probably tried a grape once with a seed and right. didn't like it. He eats it and he's like, that was delicious. I'm like, I've been trying to tell you for like three years. Anyway, yeah. But and you know what? Just you know, on that note, yeah. kid, this whole thing about kids being picky, like I, we need to stop calling them picky. This is just evolution, right? Kids are trying to protect themselves from like bitter things and things. This is a normal thing. And you really have to introduce kids to flavors umpteen times before they're even going to try it. We could have a whole other conversation about raising good eaters because I'm all about that too. Yeah. Anyways. No, it's. I think this is a really yeah. good thing to bring up because I remember being super stressed out about that when they were small. And yeah. I met a mom, you know, like a more veteran mom. I remember she said to me, she goes, you know what though? If you look at it over the course of the week, they had their veggies and their fruits and their breads and their all right. these things. And I'm like, you're right. It just didn't have to be at every meal. It's just kind of broken right. up. And and now, you know, my kids eat their roasted broccoli and their creamy past seafood pasta. And like they eat some things that I'm like, oh, it's just, you've got to keep trying, right? You know what the most important thing is when it comes to kids is actually sitting down as a family to a meal. I know people can't do it every night, but even if it's 15 minutes out of your day, if you can sit down with your family for a meal, this improves children's ability to learn, their ability to feel safe. Like it, on so many levels, having dinner as a family is 
so much more uh, than just about what they're eating, right? Even though that that's important, a parent's job is what they eat and when they eat, and the kids should get to decide if they're going to eat. That's it. I love that. Dinner time yeah. is my favorite, like, and especially now that I, I work from home, I've always worked from home, but with everybody kind of doing their own thing around the house, I love coming together. We got over this practice over the pandemic where we light candles every dinner. So I love the, it. you know, and we just, everyone yeah. has their, you know, we sit down, we eat together. And for me, sometimes it's the only time where I stop for 15, 20 minutes and like chat with everyone. And it's like, exactly. You know, it, it's it makes such a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, like connecting during the day, people really underestimate that. And of course, no, no tech. I was lucky because there was no tech when my kids were young. Like, I think, you know, Cameron was, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how old he was. He was born in 99. So that tells you, I don't know what was around there. And not much. Maybe Facebook, maybe. <laughs> it's, actually, I don't even remember. <laughs> well, exactly. You were off traveling the world. Oh my God. Well, and you know, um, that that tech thing, it's tricky because it's, you know, we don't do tech at the dinner table. It's just right. because they're lighting candles and they're talking, we're eating and we're having a nice time. But you know, you go out to dinner, I can see where people start making exceptions. Yes. But I find for me, I'm maybe a bit of a stickler, but it's a slippery slope. Like I don't want you eating in your dinner in your bedroom. First of all, I don't like crumbs yeah. in the bed that I have to go deal with later. <laughs> and, then like, and then you're going to spill something guaranteed that I'm going to be annoyed. You know, it's like it starts yeah, to, to, sure, to yeah. spiral. But I'm like, for me, it's that one time a day. And we also are pretty lucky. Like we get to sit down for breakfast, you know, sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it doesn't have to be every meal, but you know, mm-hmm. and it changes as the kids get older and, you know, have sports and are going to do their own things. It definitely does change. But, you know, still, I still sit down with my boys and, you know, tonight my, my younger son stove, he made, made roasted salmon and we had some rice and I was off getting my hair cut and I came home and yeah, it was lovely. Oh my God. He made dinner. Yeah. This is what you need. This is why you need, this is why you need to get your kids in the kitchen young. And I know for some people it drives them nuts, but if you can allow them some freedom in the kitchen, knowing full well that you're going to probably have to clean up, although cleanup is part of the whole process. And as they get older, you need to enable that as well. Um, but if you don't allow them in the kitchen, you know, they're going to, there, there's going to be some weird, they're going to have to go to therapy. <laughs> I agree. No, but you know what I mean? I mean, like they're going to have some weird thing that they don't want to cook or they expect someone else to cook for them. And it's just a life skill. So scrambled eggs are easy. They should be able to scramble eggs. How old are your kids? Uh, Jack is seven. Esme is nine. Seven. Nine. Yeah. So, and I mean, I know Esme cooks, right? She bakes. She does. She loves yeah. to bake. Jack the other day figured out how to use, so he, cause he usually does, you know, pan frying eggs and things, yeah. but now he, we realized he loves a good Tim Hortons or a McDonald's like breakfast sandwich. Yes. And so Dean was like, I'll teach you how to make it at home. And so he's got exactly. the air fryer going. He knows how many minutes he's like, came up and he loves math. So if I'm doing two sausages, that'd be sad. I'm like, you got this. He's figured it out. He does the microwave. Like yeah. it's hilarious. And also he's See a little bit of skills. Like, Yes. It's like math. It's organization. If they're reading, it's reading. It's like, it's like a little built-in, you know, tutorial of all the things they need to learn and self-confidence, you know? Exactly. And the pride he made, my dad, he made his grandpa a breakfast sandwich and he was just like, chest puffed out, walking to the table with this breakfast sandwich. It was the cutest thing ever. But and, And I must admit, like, I know that I have to give credit where credit is due. And I'm not the parent that's the the most like, yay, let's cook together, right? Like that's <laughs> Dean. But I look at him and I'm like, you're right. It's just a little mess. And now look what they can do. And they feel yeah. so proud of themselves. And also just like, 
you want a snack, you can go make your own snack. A hundred percent. I mean, it lets you off the hook for so many things. So, and you know what, as they get older, they'll just do more of it and more of it. And uh, you don't have, both parents don't have to do it, but as long as one person is there to encourage it and you're not like saying no to it, it's, it's fine. Well, and I do find that things like TikTok are actually influencing my kid. She, you know, Esme, she sees these videos and she made me some fabulous like whipped coffee a couple weeks ago. And I was like, this is so cool. But what's your take as a recipe creator, as someone who's worked with food? Like, do you think that the, like, have you tried any of those TikTok trends? What do you think about Girl, how long do you have? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know what? I, I, I love it. I think, you know, like you said, it inspires people. It's inspired my son to try some recipes. It does inspire me to do things. Um, what I will say, it's entertainment, right? So sometimes like these cheesy, ooey, gooey things or these hacks, like I'm just like, these are not hacks. These are not real things that you're going to do in the kitchen. It took him a thousand takes before that actually worked for him. So don't, that's not a hack. But in terms of recipes, there are a lot of bad recipes online. So writing a recipe is actually a skill set. And um, I wasn't always good at it, but I've worked with enough clients and people in, in big spaces to know what, how to write a recipe and what those guidelines should look like and, you know, getting your own style and that sort of thing. So there are a lot of bad recipes online, but there are also a lot of good ones. And it's really hard to judge that unless you know what a recipe should look like. Uh, a case in point, at Thanksgiving, we do this thing in my house called the side dish challenge. Again, it's a way that I don't have to cook at Thanksgiving. So I just do the turkey. And then I know, look at me, it's all about my husband says that I'm like the best delegator. And it's true. I cannot lie. I'm a great delegator. And I'm writing all these tips down yeah. at this point. <laughs> so it's a side dish challenge. And the boys have to like, make, you know, make a recipe, they have to buy the ingredients, they have to clean it up. And then we judge each other on taste and like look and everything. And we've got this rubber turkey that we put on like my husband, Trevor, made this award and we give it out each year. And I totally forgot where I was going with this, but <laughs> oh, fake recipes. We were talking about the right, recipes. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so my husband was um, pulled up a recipe for stuff and muffins. And he, went, he spent a lot of money on ingredients, like 50 or 60 bucks for like one side dish or something. And it was <clears throat> awful. And he was like, I, he goes, how can this be on like the internet? And, it's, and I'm like, it happens. It totally happens. Um, and you know, cookbooks aren't fail safe, but cookbooks are sort of the holy grail of what should be a proper recipe. Um, on my website, of course, yeah, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's actually my tagline. It's um, online recipes that work. Like it says it on my website because there's a lot that don't. But um, yeah, but Instagram and TikTok and things like that. I love getting inspiration. There are some amazing creators out there that do amazing and beautiful recipes. You know, some of them are just you know, like the pictures people take, and I am not of that ilk where I can do that type of food photography. Mine's much more of a laid back style, but it definitely helps inspire people. If it helps to inspire people to get in the kitchen, I'm all for it. Yeah. I completely agree with you. You know, Dean often will be like, I'll be like, oh, try this recipe. Or what do we think about this one? He's like, that's not a real recipe because he's yes, reading see? the ingredients and he's like, you wouldn't do that this step before that step. And yes. there's no flour where there should be. Totally. And it's like, and, and I think as you get more 
experience, you start to figure this stuff out. But he has such a great take on, you know, when he left his house, he's one of six kids and his mom is an incredible cook. Um, And she taught him how to make a gravy, taught him how to do, you know, just basic stuff, how to make, you know, a pie crust and all these things that he would need for when he would leave. And, um, and it's, it's served him well because it's, it is such basic stuff. And he says to me, he goes, honestly, it's just basic, but yeah, but if you taught that stuff, right. But if you have a pie crust, well, you can make a sweet pie. You can make a hand pie. Uh, you can make, you know, a million different things, a stuffed pizza shell. Like if you have the basics, this is the thing about going to chef school too. Um, you know, chef school, they are predominantly teaching French cuisine still. It's very, you know, if when you think about it, it's a very limited repertoire, but it's all the basics you will ever need to come out and be creative. So if you know some of the foundational recipes, then the sky is the limit. You know, it gets you comfortable with the different methods of cooking. And um, like you said, like things like pies and soup bases and things like that. Absolutely. Or even like a roux. I was like, what is a roux? I did Google. You got this. it, girl. You can do this, you know? Yeah. Well, this was so nice to chat with you. First of all, you know, you got to follow Andrew. I'm going to leave all of her links below. Your energy with food is delightful. And you make me feel like I can do it because I'm also really hungry after I've watched <laughs> it. So then it's like, you got to get up and make some. So thank you for chatting with me today. Thank you. I had a great time. Hey, Dean. Hey, Amanda. Excuse me. Well, guess what? We what? are going to talk about your favorite thing, your favorite topic. You? Close. Second favorite topic. Food. <laughs> we love food. We love food. We do, we do love food. I feel like I don't even necessarily know the direction I want to take with this with you, but I just want to talk about something that you oh, made last week. Oh, I'll take you on week. a direction. Let me take Let's you go. for a ride. You guys strap in. We're going on a ride. Okay. Last week, Dean made chicken Kiev. I think I ate like every day last week at lunch, you chicken did. Kiev. It was so good. Let's just talk about that for the listener. What is it? Oh, put me on the spot. It's basically chicken. Okay. And you pound it down flat. And then you take some butter and you, I just put it in the mixer in the, um, yeah, the mixer and put some parsley and you put some garlic and maybe a little bit of dill. And then you get the butter going around and then I freeze it into kind of a log. And then when the log is frozen, I chop it up into about maybe, I don't know, an eighth or a quarter cup. What I think is about an eighth or a quarter cup of butter. And now it's kind of a green color with all the parsley and dill and stuff. And you pound your chicken down, put the frozen butter in, and then just with your pounded chicken, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be nice and straight or anything. You just start folding it in, folding it in, folding it in. Then you're going to take that, put it on a cellophane, wrap, put the cellophane together, and then just like grab the edges of the cellophane and give it a twirl, like, like, uh, like a skipping rope. Mm-hmm. And it'll tighten it up, tighten it up, tighten up. Then you freeze that. And once that's frozen, you pull that out, dip it in egg, dip it in flour. And that egg flour is going to make like a shell. Then you dip it in some panko. And if you want to double dip it, you can double dip it if you want. And which is breadcrumbs or breadcrumbs. Panko. Go panko. Yeah, panko's so better. So good. Same shit, different day. It's crispier. 
And then I use the deep fryer, but you can also fry it in a pan. Oh my God, and deep, deep fry until it's golden brown on the outside. Now, none of that butter's coming out there and it's still a little bit cold or frozen. There's lots of recipes. Then I finish it in the oven on a parchment paper, 20 minutes. And Robert's your mother's brother. Then let's get to the best part. Then when that you, sucker yeah. gets on your plate and you got some mashed potatoes and some delicious you vegetable. Ma- you need the mashed oh potatoes. Oh my God. And the kids were like, we don't have gravy. Cause you know, they're spoiled and they have a chef as a daddy. Well, then you cut into that chicken Kiev and out pours this delicious, buttery, parsley, garlic, garlic. Oh my God. I don't think I spoke that whole dinner. And then the kids were like, I don't like it because they're children. They have no idea of what is deliciousness. Esme liked it. Jack was like, if you have the idea or or if you're wondering why there's no cookbooks for kids that do really well (laughs) is because Kraft Dinner already made it. It's on the back of the box. (laughs) What Honestly, say? it's like it's like I am not ever there'll be a time in my life where I want to take Esme to, you know, the French laundry or, you know, well, the Cirque isn't open anymore, but one of these really good restaurants and, and she, you know, she'll be like 19 or 20 and she'll appreciate it. And we'll talk about how much I love her and how I want to play butterfly kisses all the time and cry. <laughs> But that's not today. No, it is not today. It's I saw basically a meme. mashed potatoes and gravy. You could, if you're raising kids and you think it's expensive, it's really not. Vegetables, they love broccoli. Only one. Our one. kids do. I don't know if all kids oh, do. Well, I do it in the oven. Yeah. Anyway. Well, it, we saw that. I saw that meme the other day, and it was like, you know, you can, you know, you spend all the amount of time, energy money and you know what kids don't give a shit like they, they don't, don't care. care they have no concept it's a waste of time. anyway point is but once in a while they surprise you like they yeah. like things that like you know i think esme is more of a sweet person yes she has definitely more of a sweet palate and jack's a savory person yeah and and i was i tell you oh my mouth is watering now because i'm thinking about all these recipes <laughs> i really like food for the people you know like chicken kiev it sounds all fancy but honestly you just need some butter some parsley you could probably use even dried parsley if you wanted to so good and chicken is ultra cheap especially if you can debone it like you don't you can use a chicken breast or a thigh if you want Mm -hmm. and if you debone it i mean there was a huge pack of chicken for for like 5.95 you know the other day and i was just like yeah i gotta i gotta Mm -hmm. get that but it's not fancy I love that type of food, like every gazpacho. Oh, yes. Gazpacho, hello. You know, you can imagine sitting in Spain with... Gazpacho is a cold soup for those listening. I think everybody knows what No, not gazpacho everybody is. does, no, Dean. We you have people know. from all over the world listening. <laughs> I'm going to hit them with this microphone after this, but yes. Um, you can imagine sitting in Spain, you know, working, picking olives, and then somebody bringing up a big cauldron uh, uh you know um, a terracotta cauldron that's wet on the outside so it as it evaporates it cools the pot and oh i just anyway jack ate one of my favorite guilty pleasures again mouth watering is the blockhouse clam cakes mm. so blockhouse i think is in rhode island uh, I'm not quite sure if it is. I think it is Rhode Island crab cakes, which are, or sorry, uh, clam cakes, which are 
The, is that the bread kind of feel tasty yes. ones? Oh my! I ate so many. That was last fall. That was around this time last That's year. That's right. I e- ate easy so to many make. of those. It's a deep fried dish, but I, you know, I put three times or four times the clams in there, so and good. you bite into that sucker with a little bit of um, cocktail sauce. It's heaven. I just. I could cry. God, no wonder I get thick in the fall and winter. It's like deep fried city. Well, we work out a lot, so you can eat. It's fine. Listen, I'm all about that. I got pants that are size bigger. I'm going to live my life, okay? (laughs) I'm going to eat food I enjoy. Current favorite meal at the moment where, you know, as this episode airs, we're going to be deep into fall. So right now as we're recording, we're just heading into it. So I'm loving like you know, bangers and mash type of thing, like sausage and the the mashed potatoes and the gravy. Bubbles and squeak. Is that what they call them? Well, so bubbles good. and squeak is the squeak is the cabbage, bubbles is Ooh, potatoes, and bangers cabbage. with the yeah. purple cabbage all fried oh. up nice. And and this kind of cooking is like my mother would do this type of cooking. Mm-hmm. My mom, you know, you could have a bag of flour, some lard, some kind of meat, some spices from the garden or whatever, and mom could just put anything together. And she cooked for six kids. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It is a task to cook for six kids and it's not cheap. Let's talk some of our favorite fall recipes. So, because mm. as we're listening, we're in the deep, the deep woods of fall. I love me. You some, go first. Okay. <laughs> I like, I like chili. I'm a basic girl. Chili with some like garlic Texas toast. Like that is one of my favorite meals. And probably why I like it too is it holds up well like the next day I can have it for oh, lunch. I, know. I love and, those like, fridge dwellers. <laughs> they're so good. I also love like the simplicity of that type of dish. Like you are very skilled at cooking. I don't have that kind of confidence. Well, thank you. No, I'm not. You are. You love to experiment and try new things. I would be scared of the deep fryer, honestly. But I like your your basic kind of like, okay, let's throw this in this slow cooker and I'll see you in eight hours and it's going to be delicious. Or um, items like that do hold up well um, in the fridge or, you know, Maybe because I'm a Quebecer, I love those like tortillers and, yeah. you know, those kind of like. What, what's that? Croutons. Oh, croutons. Don't even get me started. It's like that pork base spread, which looks horrifying. It's and basically tastes pork delicious. and lard. And then there's <laughs> lots of salt and some allspice. So and you good. just eat it. It's so good. Remember um, I made that giant. I had that cast iron frying pan. I think it was 20 inches across. It sat on two I, I sat kind of in the middle of the stove and I had a bunch of burners on. Yeah. And I made that giant amount of uh, crouton. Oh, so good. This is back in the other house. Yes. A recipe, which I like. So I found the crouton recipe mm-hmm. uh, from a parish that was on the island of Ilgru. Do I pronounce that right? Ilgru? Maybe. Sure. An island. I, I think Ilgru was it one of those quarantine islands when people came here from France. They quarantine on that island. I can't remember. In any event, a lot of records, like birth records, death records, everything was kept in the church. And guess what? They had recipes as well. And this was put in PDF form uh, from some, you know, writing, and oh it was God, translated. I love and this. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the kind of stuff I like. These uh, there's that guy on uh, YouTube. He cooks like stuff that you know the the. Um, you know, the first Jamestown settlers made, uh, you know, uh, with what they had available and things that they learned from the First Nations people and all that stuff. I love that stuff because to me, that's just 
like you're 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 almost it tastes good or it might taste different but when you're eating it you're kind of reliving what people from the past ate and some of these things like my grandma's favorite quote there's things in your life that the next generation won't even remember mm. and and to go back and kind of look at those recipes and go oh and you reawaken uh, something, you know, there's something about that. So. Well, there's so much culture mixed in. Yeah. Food is part of our celebration. And, you know, when whenever we get together, we eat certain things. Right. And um, there's something about that when you can, you know, when you get a recipe, like I love getting recipes from your mom, even when they're just simple things. Like yeah. I have one of her, she wrote down a bunch of these handwritten recipes for me for like, you know, sweet and sour sauce when I do my meatballs and right. like just little things. But you're like, I knew that she made that. I knew that you liked that, you know, and it's like, I've got, I've got all oh, the recipes. Your pineapple meatballs. Yeah. That's delicious. I know. Or even like she had, um, she calls them like, I think it's like the perfect chocolate chip cookie type of thing. And so she's got this recipe and they are literally the perfect chocolate chip cookie. Like I love it. And I love the effort that certain people put in to, you know, a spread, for example, like we went and tended a friend's house and she just like Dean loves food, but she loves to like Carmen. We love you. We love Carmen. We love you, Carmen. um, You know, what did she put together? It was like, prosciutto and cantaloupe or something and i was like well that's that's an italian but it was still i had not had that those two no i hadn't had that together before and i was like well this is awesome artesian made sausage and all the the different cheeses and you know know. you just some people take care i look at that like uh you kind of are a little not you a person gets to be a little bit of an asshole if you're If you're, you know, people don't, people don't like that you to know about, about, um, uh, different types of food. You're like, oh, wow. When somebody says this certain type of cheese and I don't know it, I don't feel like I should know it. I just go, well, what is that? I don't even know what it is. Well, guess what? Now I just learned that type of Mm -hmm. cheese or this type of meat or this type of vegetables. Like before I went to Malaysia and our friend there made us the quinoa salad. I had never heard of quinoa. I think I knew it as a grain, but I didn't know you could cook with it. You had not seen it in that no, way. And that I was, was one like, of our favorite rest salads for so it's long. It's so delicious. But what I like about that is that what I like about the people and explain the asshole comment is that those type of people are my people. I'm not pretentious about it. I don't want to sit down at a meal that I made and I really don't want to hear. Oh, that's good. Well, that's nice that you like it. But I want people to enjoy it and enhance the experience of just being fun and stuff. You ever sat around a table with people that just give compliment after compliment after compliment? After a while, you're just like, hey, 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 shut it. It's weird. Yeah. Eat your food. You don't owe me anything. I didn't do it for that reason. I wanted to just, I want to put you in a better mood or I want to put you in a great mood for, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, for feeling like you're being fed really good food. And I want to, I want you to have fun. Oh my God. I love eating. It's like my favorite. Like, why do we, why do we have to talk? About I know this? it's I'm nearly just, dinner. My mouth is watering. And listen, it's it, freaking me out. It doesn't have to be fancy because Dean has this recipe that we have just loved this past summer into the fall. Now these little sliders, he calls them depression burgers. They are depression. They're the Kansas city or they're, uh, Oklahoma onion burger. They're so good. Yeah. It's like, you have your brioche Can I get the recipe in like 30 seconds? Go, 30 seconds, seconds and go. Go to the grocery store. Get some ground, lean ground beef. 
come home, stick some garlic powder in there and maybe salt and pepper. That's it. And some onion powder, sorry, if you want. Take it, put it in a ball about the size of a golf ball. That's it. Now, take a white onion or any kind of onion and use the mandolin and just put like a crazy amount of onion, like a mound of onion on the on the t- on the table. Chop them a little bit more. Now take your burger, put it in the pan, psh, little tiny burger. Take a piece of wax paper, press it with spatula. Now, once it's cooked, put your onions on the pan, like a big mound, mm. like you're just like so obscene. You're just like, what? So good. Now put that burger, the raw side on the onions and press it down so that the onion water starts to come out. Now put your bun over the burger so the onion steams the bun. My God. That's it. Take it off. You if you want cheese on it, put some <laughs> cheese on. Take your soggy, it's not soggy, it's steamed, yep. small slider bun. I like to use brioche buns. Yes. And throw it on there. And I That's find, it. Don't put anything no. else on it. And I find you don't it's need so anything on it. Good. I like I like cheese with like a little bit of ketchup and that is it. And they're the mini ones are just so fun to eat. It's like this fun so little soft. mini burger. You know what they're like? They're like a really high-end White Castle burger. I have not had Wise Castle Burger, but I will it's take. The, according to Harold and Kumar, it's the perfect food. It's the perfect food. Listen, I'm from Quebec. We steam those burger buns. We steam those hot dog buns. Smokey's okay. <laughs> so you always have like your two garni hot dog and your, I mean, it's the best. And that's what I'm saying is like, it doesn't have to be fancy, but the joy of eating these like mini burgers around the table. And when it came out, um, I think it was, was it? My sister was here. Oh, no, it was my aunt. It was like this huge serving tray with like, what, 20 burgers, 20, 30 baby burgers. Like it was so fun. It's just to me. And it costs almost nothing to make, you know, and that's what that's where I'm at. I think like I watch I watch some Gordon Ramsay and stuff like I just why to be so mean. Um, I watch a lot of uh, different chefs, Jamie Oliver, um, you know. I think that there's a trend that needs to happen because we're kind of like having some hard times. I love when people go to the grocery store and shop for things they can afford and then find recipes that fit what they can afford. And what their family will eat. Just a good meal as someone that spends, you know, more twice as much money as you on a meal. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's probably one of my... I don't know if they still, if you still see these videos on YouTube, because I don't seek them out as much anymore. But when you see, you know, like a family of eight or like a bigger family and how they're able to stretch their budget and make these beautiful meals, simple sometimes, maybe yeah. a little bit more extravagant, but meals and lunches. And, and honestly, it's like for me who can get a little overwhelmed when I have to think about making all these fantastical things, yep. I'm a big fan of a recipe. And I often do that like reverse Google search where I'm like, all right, what have I got? I got some chicken. I got some peppers. Oh, that's smart. All right. And I'm like, boom, boom, boom. And then up cop these recipes. And I found some of my favorite recipes that way. And you know, some of the recipes might not work out, but some do. And then you don't have to think it's like a no brainer. You have yeah. the ingredients and you give it a you're go. You're actually a very good cook. You're very methodical. I am. And you're very clean when you cook. I do. I throw like 
a flower, like a basically just picture a flower bomb going off in the kitchen. That's me. I could be making toast and you're like, what the hell is happening here? Got a vacuum every time Dean leaves the kitchen. But yeah. you know what? It's worth it, my love. So thank Hey, thanks you. for talking about this. You know, I, I like when you pick subjects that really make me want to go to the fridge and just stand there. I know. I'm like, hey, you ready? Go get dinner in three, two, one. Well, listen. Speaking of which. I know. Thanks, Dean. You're welcome. This was fun. Okay, bye. Bye. And it's time for my weekly favorites. I really enjoy sitting down and putting this list together for you guys because it also forces me to appreciate some of the things in my life. I love that attitude of gratitude. I wanted to say nonsense, but like it works. You know what I mean? So finding things that make my life a little happier genuinely bring me joy. The first thing I want to share, which I thought was perfectly timed for this particular episode because we're discussing all things fall and the changing of season. And if you're in Canada or a place that gets the four seasons, what comes next? Okay, guys, winter is like right around the corner. So one of my most favorite audiobooks I listened to last year, right in the middle of winter, if not, I think it was January, is an audiobook called Wintering by Catherine May. This book felt like a poem, like a meditation. I don't want to say poem per se, because that could possibly deter some listeners to actually check it out. But it was, oh my God, how do I put this into words? It left me with a feeling that was so cozy and comforting and filled with love that I'm actually going to be listening to it again. And let me just tell you, if there's anything about my personality, it's that I do not do things on repeat. I do not watch movies on repeat. I do not watch shows again and again. That is just not who I am. So if I'm going to listen to an audiobook again, you know it has to be good. There's also something so magical about the rituals that we have in place for preparing for our cooler months. And perhaps it's not something you've thought about. Maybe you don't live in a place where you get the four seasons, but something as simple as how do we prepare our yards? How do we prepare our homes for the onslaught of cold temperatures? And there's actually so many little things that we do from cutting down the shrubbery, that last mowing of the lawn, turning off the some of the taps that are outside of our homes to ensure that the pipes don't freeze, those kinds of things. You might not think about it like a ritual, but it is one of the acts that we do to prepare. And it's just, I don't, it's just, I can't even, it's beautiful. I recommended this book to my aunt who, like me, is pretty optimistic about the changing of seasons and she thought it was beautiful and part of me wants to try out polar bear swimming. If you've listened to the book or read the book, you'll know what I mean. Like all of a sudden you're inspired to do these wild things. It was magical. So that's my book recommendation for the week. Now, I have been trying to decrease my caffeine intake mostly because um, I can't drink coffee in the evenings anymore. I used to be able to drink coffee like three times a day, morning, afternoon, evening, and it would not affect my sleep. However, I was also going to bed significantly later. So now that I am working on a healthy nighttime routine and going to bed before midnight, I cannot do that evening coffee. But I do love a hot beverage. So this is my weekly drink that I've been loving. I'm going to recommend a tea. 
this might throw you off because I do love coffee, but I do not discriminate against tea. Now, this particular tea is a little bit sweeter. It's an apple cinnamon tea. The brand that I have is Tazo. I'm sure there's other brands out there. And what I've been doing is making a tea latte. I had picked up a milk frother last year. So something on Amazon, not very expensive. And I froth, I'd say a quarter cup of milk or so, maybe a third of a cup of milk. And while the milk is frothing, I am steeping my tea bag and I give it a few minutes. I tend to do this right at the end of the day as I'm finishing up the lunch prep and all of that. Um, so then I did initially put a splash of maple syrup, but with this particular tea, I find the tea is sweet enough. It's not required. Um, so you have your tea steeping, you then just top it with the frothy milk and it's this beautiful tea latte. I normally make my tea lattes with an Earl Grey because I'm a big fan of a London fog, but this was a lovely switch and I feel that the apple cinnamon flavor gives it this beautiful autumn flavor and I'd recommend it. It's a lovely little treat. I recently shared an after-school evening routine video on YouTube. If you'd like to check it out, head over to my channel at Amanda Muse. And I went into some of the things that I do, I try to do on the daily to help prepare for the next morning and to help wind down our evenings. And one of those things which has made a huge change in how our mornings go is I make the lunches at night. I'd say 90% of the time. I have a couple of steps to ensure that all the lunch items are cleaned by the time dinner's done. And then I make the lunches. And one snack has been going over so well, I thought I would share it. Super easy. You buy yourself some yogurt tubes. Not sure if your kids are a fan of yogurt, but what I do is I freeze them, pop them into the freezer. So now you have these frozen yogurt tubes. You're thinking that's not going to stay frozen at school. You're right. It doesn't, but it stays cold enough and a little bit frozen-ish. So I picked up two reusable bags that have zippers on the top and they're the type you can wash the insides. That's not necessary, but this is what I'm doing. I then snip the top of the yogurt tube, wrap it in a small piece of paper towel so that it's ready to go when the kids open up their lunch bags. I put it into this zippered baggie. It goes into their lunchbox, which does have a nice ice pack in it to help keep it cold. And Jack just loves to have it on his first break. He says it's like a nice cold yogurt. So there's a little trick. Anything to help zhuzh up the lunchboxes, I'm a huge fan of. I also just love keeping it simple, making it at night. Um, that little part with the yogurt element, I obviously don't put that into the lunchbox at night. That I add in at the last minute in the morning before I place their lunch bags into their backpacks. And those are my three favorites for the week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you are enjoying the newest season. In case you missed last week's episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to the episode I had with Julie Nolke, who is not only an incredible YouTuber, but a very humble, lovely woman and was just so nice to chat with her. In case you're already caught up, not to worry. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode where we'll be chatting with a female tech startup founder. Fascinating stuff. Highly inspiring. Can I ask a little favor? Can you share this podcast with a friend? It's the best way to help get Friendo into new ears. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Find me on Instagram daily at Amanda Muse, YouTube for weekly videos at Amanda Muse, and TikTok for some laughs at Muse Amanda. Thank you for listening and join me next week.